Welcome to CYC Podcast Discussions on Child and Youth Care, episode number 143. I'm Wolfgang Vachon. When thinking about and reading literature in child and youth care, it's easy to slip into believing that CYC exists in North America, the UK, and South Africa. Of course, this is not at all accurate. Whether or not people identify as CYC, youth worker, or social worker, or some other name, like perhaps auntie, wherever there are children and youth, there are people working, caring, living, supporting, and loving them. And today I'm speaking with one such person. Dr. Petra Roberts recently completed her PhD dissertation looking at institutional care for children in Trinidad and Tobago. Dr. Roberts is currently an assistant professor in the Department of Social Work at Algoma University in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Roberts, and congratulations on completing your dissertation. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm excited about our conversation. Um, we haven't spoken with anybody from uh, about work in the Caribbean, so um, it's, a, it's a, mm-hmm. a gaping omission, so I'm I'm, I'm yes. very appreciative. <laughs> yes. Nice. Um, you, you start your conclusion of your dissertation by defining a calling as a place where one's deepest gladness meets the world's deepest need. And in living our calling, we experience joy and a sense of wholeness. This, you go on to write, epitomizes the experience I had spending three years at one of the homes in TNT, which became the impetus for me to research ways to improve the lives of children who cannot live with their families. Sometimes I think we get, we get stuck in the problems. Can you tell me more about the joy of this work? Um, yes, it's really interesting. Um, I went there and into this home. This home, you know, has a history, like, you know, going back to, to just after slavery in the indentorship um, period in Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, so the home sort of like... Um, Sorry, can I just ask you to uh, speak up a little bit, Petra? Okay, okay. Thank you. What about there, this? That's great. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, when I went to the home, like, I, you know, I've lived in Trinidad for a number of years. I passed by that home but never went in. Mm. And I went when I went back to Trinidad to say, okay, I'm going to spend some time back home, I said I wanted to go there. So I got to the home and... <clears throat> It was um, it was difficult at first, and at that some point, um, it felt like if this is where I was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and I always associate a calling with something something religious, and it did not. It was I mean I have my little pros and cons about religion, uh, <laughs> but it did, not, <laughs> it did not. It did not. It, there was nothing religious about it. There was this this quote really touched me that what I what I what I was doing it it was making it was filling this need and I was seeing it and it was just like these two things come together. So um, so all of the problems or whatever going on, there was this joy when when I when I was there with the children and the children with me. So there was this connection that occurred, which was just like, okay, great. This is what a call-in feels like. Mm. And how, how, do you, how do you navigate that joy? And, I, and I'm thinking particularly about some of the, the, the newer uh, practitioners mm-hmm. or uh, emerging mm-hmm. practitioners or students. You know, how, mm-hmm. do you, how do you 
find the joy and continue the joy because one of the things you talk about in the quote is deep need and and mm -hmm. certainly what comes through very clear in your dissertation is is a profound and mm -hmm. deep need so how do we keep that joy in the mm -hmm. face of need and in the face of of mm -hmm. those elements mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, one of the things which I think um, did it for me, uh, first of all, I was not getting paid at the beginning. This was a non-paid thing. Um, but I had I created this program where one of the, 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 the nursery dormitory has like about 23 kids and two staff, and the kids are from newborn to age seven or nine. And uh, one of the staff had said to me, you know, well, they call me Auntie Petra. Um, you know, Auntie Petra, um, I go home sometimes and some of these kids haven't even gotten a hug. Like, you know, they were not touched by an adult. And um, so I then came up with, uh, and speaking to one of my colleagues, uh, a, a bedtime story, a Friday night bedtime um, activity and bedtime story program. And the goal was that at the end, every child, I would read a bedtime story and every child will get a hug before um, uh, they go to bed. So one day a week for sure, every child would have this experience. And within the, the, the activity, before they go to bed, they'll be in their jammies when I come. And before they go to bed, we would kind of do some games and um, cognitive games like word games, etc. And then we all go upstairs to their room, dormitory room, and read a story. Eventually, it was hard for me to read it because they were all crawling all over me. <laughs> and um, so I, I got some of um, people who I knew in my time in Trinidad, and we would all, we would, they would all do this. And when I saw the children who felt everything was too hard, too difficult at first, and then there was a time they were waiting by the, by the, by the, um, the doors for us to come in, and they were kind of fighting who wants which book and who wants whatever. It just felt, so for me it was just like, um, it's just that you're doing something, and you're doing something that you see could have long-term impact. So for, uh, I, and knowing that, you know, the other part of me is that, okay, children um, should be with their parents. Children should be with their caregivers. These are young kids, and it's only one day a week I can do this. But still, I felt that that one day is making a difference. So that made it feel joyful. Mm, nice. I have such a such an image of you surrounded by these these children reading stories and crawling all over it's such a beautiful image i'll send a picture i'll send a picture for you yes, please do. Uh, so your dissertation is about children who grew up in institutional care in, in trinidad and tobago mm -hmm. tnt and we have listeners from all over the world however most of our listeners are from north america and europe and very very few from the caribbean what is it like, um, what is residential care like in Trinidad and Tobago? And, and in what ways is it similar or different from uh, North American or, or Western constructions of, of institutional care? Um, I, I think it started off with have been similar because Trinidad is a former British colony and uh, the care started while it was still a colony of, 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 um, of Britain. Uh, so the initial orphanage style, dormitory style, um, beginning in right after the end of slavery and emancipation. So that could be like 1800s, late 1800s. Um, so it had that... Uh, the church was involved, so so 
with the church headed or, or, or started it off as a charity sort of thing. And then it moved into, so you had the two major state run, well, quote unquote state run, but still church managed homes. Uh, so those were a bit similar. So even the act that was being used, the legislation, was something really like started from. 1929, which was modeled on the British system and only recently changed, actually, a concerning children. Uh, so it had that similarity, but where um, the UK would have changed and moved on, even though Trinidad became an independent country, um, it still continued uh, this style of taking care of children. So you had that major one piece, and it was not kids being forced to come there. It would be sometimes parents um, come and take their, drop their kids off because they feel financially they can't cope, they can't take care of the children. So it, it was like a home um, not seen as something, this is the place where you take children if you can't take, take care of them. So you have that, but then you also have the small community, the small, um, the the woman in the community who did not have kids and who will just like, you know, started off at one, two, three, and next thing she has like 25 kids taken care of. So, so, so that's, so it still had, it had that kind of kinship community piece, then also the large home piece, which um, made it a bit, um, different than 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 others so the change change did not didn't happen quickly you you, you structure those, those sort of break those down very nicely sort of the, the dropping the the children off the the small community the mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. the auntie and the community sort of thing and then the, sort of the large state-run homes mm-hmm. um you know i've talked to other people from around the world and this this uh this place of residential care as a better option for parents and parents willingly put their children into residential care is, is such a foreign mm-hmm. concept for so many people in, in North America mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Europe, and yet is so prevalent around the world. Um, mm-hmm. And when I talked to, uh, to Hunil Islam, as an example, who, of course, you know, um, about the uh, madrasas in, in Bangladesh, um, mm-hmm. And people dropping their children off. You talk a lot about religion in the mm-hmm. care system, institutional care system. Is that part of mm-hmm. the the you know when when people are dropped off? Is it, is are are they primarily to those religious organizations or or mm-hmm. other forms of care? Uh, not directly, because even though the the two major ones, St. Mary's Children's Home and St. Dominic's Home, um, uh, are managed by one, the Catholic um, Church, and one, the Anglican, which meaning that the bishop and the Anglican is, is on the board of the home. Um, it's, so it would not be... It wouldn't be like, you know, um, an Anglican is saying, okay, I'm going to drop the child off there, or a Catholic is saying that. Um, these are just the two major homes that take care of kids. So I don't, and it's not like, um, and the religiosity in like the Anglican, it's like the church is next door. And, and that was there from, you know, hundreds of years where the kids all have to go to church on a, on a, on a, on a Sunday. Um, but you find over the years that there were other religious groups coming to do volunteer. So it was not kind of only closed and they're being forced into some, you know, they have to do their, their you know, pray in the morning. But it, it didn't, um, it it wasn't 
kind of formed into creating young Anglicans or young Catholics. Mm. Uh, some of the, the newer homes, the one in particular, which would have a component of, of um, born-again religious piece, but still it's not... It's not the main thing I, in my experience with the homes. Hmm. So religion is a side, is, a, is, is, is there, but not the driving force. One of the things that was really intriguing to me when I was going over your dissertation was that um, those you interviewed, and you interviewed 24 people um, mm-hmm. who had all um, been in care and were are now adults from mm-hmm. recently in care to you know one fellow who's 79 and... Mm-hmm. goes back quite a ways um, but there was a perception from those that you interviewed that um, the religious organizations they had better experiences though f- uh, from the state-run homes so why why do you think that this is the, the um, like the state-run home is still managed by religion mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. by by the church right and mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so so there are a few in my study who were in a smaller religious based homes those are the, those are the, those are what you're speaking about right yes yes yeah um i i think it's more uh, the transition mm. um from the home and i think it also is because of the size that there could have been um more um ability to connect like more ability to organize mm. um the 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 larger homes that say you know we have about sixty to ninety kids mm-hmm. and the staff who involve like the transition is um, problematic and continues to be so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's about the size that they were able to kind of really better prepare the children and keep in contact with the young adults that made it um, made it a better experience right this idea of transition comes up over and over again and and mm-hmm. is possibly one of the, sort of the the biggest themes mm-hmm. in in your dissertation yeah. and, and you actually write that mm-hmm. many found the transition from the mm-hmm. homes to be more traumatic than even the admission mm-hmm. into the homes yes what you just you just spoke of some things right the the size mm-hmm. the the smaller mm-hmm. homes have have connection what are some of the other mm-hmm. obstacles around transitions and and mm-hmm. what were people's thoughts on how to change that mm-hmm. well this the like some of the larger homes um okay like when the kids get there, it became, and I think it's probably even all in, or a type of institutional care thing happening, that the kids get there and that's it, we take care of you. There was not um, enough of a, to maintain contact with the families. So they take care of the kids. Sometimes even like for Christmas, if the families come to a Christmas get-together, get they have a choice if they want to take the kids. Mm-hmm. It was not like, you know, you you know the kids go home the children go home with you so um so so that was the problem is that the children for about 10 or 12 years of their life they lived a certain lifestyle they did not maintain the kind of contact with the family and upon time where they reached the age to leave it was like a phone call you know time to leave and the children go back there so that made the transition with no preparation so it could be you know they come back from school as one one person had said just before going to school say oh by the way get your stuff together because when you come back from school you'll be um going so and so 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 that made 
what, that's one of the main things they transition. Then, although the, the children would have lived there for 12 until they're 18, the coming back, it did not, you're gone and you're gone. As mm. they, it did not, it didn't welcome, the homes didn't welcome because like this is a place you can come back to. This is a place that if anything is going you know, wrong, you, 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 know, you can come back. Now, one of the smaller homes, um, they have like a, a transition um, apartment, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, a space within the compound where the, the older um, residents go there. And then they have something called a long-term transition. They help them to get in an apartment and then they still once a month, there is a check-in until they don't need it anymore. Mm. So, so, but these smaller homes, uh, um, these larger homes did not have that. Which is curious because you would think that the larger, the, the, the state-run, the, the, there would be more mm-hmm. support. Um, any sense of why those homes don't have that when there's such clear evidence from all over the world that that's uh, mm-hmm. helpful? I think because these homes, it really didn't have like a, uh, I shouldn't say they did not have, there was an inspector of, of orphanages, as they call them, because in the books they were still called orphanages. Um, but I believe they, they allow the homes to do, to, to run themselves. So um, it wasn't kind of driven by, by policies, I would argue. They, they may, they may, they may disagree, but I would argue that it wasn't really driven by policies of what's the best for children. So right. it, it allowed the home to do what they think is best for them. Now, boys, they had some sort of a kind of quasi transition, um, one or two homes in the city for boys. But again, that transition was more or less just like to, to, to prepare you to just go out to work. Um, and it would be about a year or two. Girls, they did not have much for girls. Um, and, you know, some of the theories could be wrong. Um, there's always this danger of boys are going to get in trouble. Um, I mean, um, incarceration, like um, crimes, etc. cetera, uh, as opposed to well, the whole gender piece about girls just mm. will be okay. Right. Which is... Uh... A, we know it's not true, and 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 no. B, you you write in your in your research that you know some of the <laughs> misconceptions. One of the things that you write around gender differences, which was really striking to me, was this idea mm-hmm. of um, staff shaming, um, particularly mm-hmm. shaming young uh, young females. Um, uh, and, and you seem to indicate it's coming from a place of warning or a protection or, or mm-hmm. staff sharing their own experiences about, you know, mm-hmm. about males as, as predators, et cetera, et cetera. And yet puts mm-hmm. all of the onus on these young women, uh, really stigmatizes mm-hmm. them and doesn't uh, address males. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me mm-hmm. a little bit more about what's happening there with the, with the shaming and mm-hmm. the stigma and, and addressing mm-hmm. gender differences and, and sexual violence? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I grew up in, in Trinidad, and I think that's the message that you grow up with. It's mm-hmm. this emphasis on it's the responsibility of the girl. You need to take care of yourself, and it's always about fear of, of um, unplanned pregnancy, um, and and it's up to you. And 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 the boys, I mean, um, you know, boys will be boys. It will right. be the, the the common thing. So. The emphasis is always on 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 the on the, on the girls to be the one to be the responsible one mm. and limited teaching on the boys. So I think that general um, um, 
culture um, also applied in the homes. Mm. So, uh, so there's no. I mean, it's it's about warning. So there's no really um, sex education. So it's just it's just warnings from 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 some of the female staff who may have had their own experiences in male female relationship and always sort of threatening that you you know you would you know one person said you know they always told that they're gonna have a lot of babies for different men and 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 so but not talking about responsibility for that the, the, the boys should have. Mm. Uh, so I, I saw it as a, a continuation of what kind of was, was within the culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Y- you, um, you, you, you bring a bit of an economic analysis. I mean, your, 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 your subtitle of your thesis has to do with mm. looking at um, longer term implications, right, towards a new model of care for developing countries, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know that you your research is in, in a middle income country, uh, mm-hmm. TNT, and um, mm-hmm. what are some of the um, well, I guess how how can middle income and, and lower income mm-hmm infrastructures or, or countries mm. really support uh, children in need because mm-hmm. you know often those are countries that have uh, high demand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um middle income like i mean Trinidad has um natural resources resources which really if it was well organized one could argue that they could finance uh a, um, a system of care that included residential care mm. um, uh, had strong unions, etc. So, so one could argue that they could. Um, but for which financially they do not put a lot of money into children's care, so it's not happening. Mm. So low income, I feel with low income countries, the natural kind of kinship community piece um, uh, could be maintained and 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 provide some form of um, financial support to the families who choose to do this. And it's like historically, my, my mother was from another island, Grenada, which is much smaller than Trinidad. And she, um, and what would happen is that, so they had seven kids, um, you know, Miss Dorothy down the road didn't have any kids. So um, two of, of, of my mother and another sibling went to stay with Miss Dorothy. Um, and, and, and that sort of, um, in Tobago, which is, which is uh, which the other island, which really didn't have large group homes as as Trinidad, uh, one story was um, a boy was behaving badly in the school. The community police was walking around, um, you know, kind of intervened, um, developed a relationship with with the boy, checking in on school. Um, then spoke to his partner, and then spoke to the boy parents, and he kind of like. They took the boy home, hmm. and um, and so that sort of kind of informal um, taking care of each other um, is something I feel that um, low-income countries could do, but with some form of uh, if, if it's about like um, school clothing or school books or something provided by the state. Um, this this boy he had an excellent experience with this family 
and really regretted that an incident that took place, which all he should have done was apologize, and he did not. That that terminated um, that relationship. Um, so so you need the kind of um, some kind of supervision so that these stuff doesn't just end up exploding and whatever. So for commu- kinship community care, I think it's what um, small countries could do. And the long, t- the large um, group home shouldn't really be, it should be one option out of a few. So it's not that I am saying that, you know, close it and only go kinship because there are some families just, the, the needs of some children probably is beyond some families. But that's how I see low income and middle income can do it. Mm. This idea of, of kinship care is, is uh, mm. A, it's so um, foreign in many ways to, to how how we work here in, in Canada, as an example. I mean, we do, we, we, we pay lip service to kin and kinship care, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, mm-hmm. um, yes. but the, there's, it's just not the same, right? I mean, uh, it, it doesn't function in that, that same way. Um, one of the, and there, and there seems like, yes, there's so much possibility, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Miss Dorothy down the road or the, the, mm-hmm. the police officer mm-hmm. or the teacher or, Mm-hmm. or whomever it might be that, that mm-hmm. has space in her life or his life to yeah. bring other people in. Um, one of the the things you write about is this this deinstitutionalization push um, that's mm-hmm. coming out of the UN Conventions on the Rights of the Child, and we see this all over the world. And there's lots of mm-hmm. lots of opinions about this. And and what I'm hearing mm-hmm. from you is is some some mixed thoughts around this deinstitutionalized mm-hmm. push. Now, that's one of the questions that you actually asked participants mm-hmm. of, of the research, you know, about continuation or abandonment of care institutions. What, what were their thoughts on that question? Well, they all, um, the majority said, um, um, no, no, they want the homes to continue. There's a place for the homes to continue. Because within the home, although, you know, they speak about physical corporal punishment um, from staff, and the shaming from staff, um, they all had some aspect of good memories in the home. And also the majority um, compared to when they returned to their family or parents' home, so where they would have running water. Um, um, some some went back to homes that did not have running water, that did not have toilets. So so they, so they could identify some of the benefits, and they, 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 they really do have, especially Christmas, great memories for Christmas they all have. Um, so, um, so for me, and so, the, so the pieces that... Look at what's working in the homes, or the home system or the structure you have there, and look at what's not working, and then develop something which is um, which is culturally and locally um, more suitable. Um, supervisions of, of the large homes, like that's what the, the participants were saying. Uh, supervision, like you really need some. I mean, good supervision, staff as well, staff training. It also, was also uh, one of their comments. But to say close down the homes, um, no, the participants did not um, did not want that to happen. Hmm. You were recently back just this past summer, and, and part of your mm-hmm. your visit, uh, besides the joy that it brings you, I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, was to, to to look at a bit of a follow up 
to your research. Mm -hmm. What did you find in your most recent visit back? Mm -hmm. um, well, they have implemented the Children's Authority, which now, uh, and the new legislation, which now there is a body that's um, in charge of, of, of homes. Um, but it has a lot of growing pains mm -hmm. with that. What, uh, there was good stuff in that, the expectations, again, because they're coming with a list of expectations that these community homes are supposed to meet, that's fire, this and that, and they did not provide, you know, plumbing, et cetera, they did not provide the funding to do that. So you find that the number of the homes still unable to meet the requirements, so they're still not under the supervision of children's authority. Um, the... With one of the one of the homes, they had the long arms. So one of the boys, which I had interviewed, um, and 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 young lady, they had moved from the in-house um, transition, and they are now in the community employed, and so they still come and do visits. So that showed, okay, what of their transition? One can say is a success. Um, uh, the other part is still the girls, like the life of girls still just really, they're out of the homes and then they're out, limited support. Once, keep troubling me, like last night just mm -hmm. reviewing this, like she's really quite um, quite intelligent and really had a, had a place to go, had a place to go. But again, lack of supervision, lack of support when she left, mm -hmm. kind of, kind of left her all over the place. Uh, so that is still current, um, the impact of girls. And um, yeah, so it, it had hope, but it was still not so hopeful. So right. it wasn't all that good, unfortunately. I'm sorry to hear that. What, what, yeah. what can be done? Uh, yeah, what, you know, and, and, I, and yeah, if, if anything, I might mm -hmm. have any thoughts on that? Um, well, what are two, two things? And, and meeting with the two managers from the two large homes. Interestingly, what they are saying now is that the kids who are coming into care, they really need more than protection. So they're having mental health mm. problems with the kids. Mm. So that's that's they they want some information on how to how to move that, how to create um, short term day programs mm. and to help that. Um, the other larger home, um, she is trying to have a, a type of a transition within because she has a lot of space that she can do that. So she is looking at transitions for girls. Mm. Um, I did not, I really um, tried to get an appointment to meet with the, speak to the board of the children's authority. That um, was not possible. Um, I am hoping to continue email contact with them and to continue uh, with how suggestions, etc. So the good thing, there is a board now in, in charge of children, so that hopefully then will make children need some more of a priority. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. As, as we move towards uh, wrapping up our conversation, is there anything mm -hmm. else that, I mean, there was, there was so much in your, <laughs> in your research mm -hmm. and so many <laughs> wonderful stories, really, I mean, the stories mm -hmm. were you know, what, what captures, uh, captures me. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we end our conversation today? Mm. No, 
I am hoping to sort of like uh, create, I have a colleague, I'm just not good at fundraising. Um, I don't know how to beg for money. I end up always giving my money. I have a colleague here. Good at giving. Not yeah, so good at giving. Yes, I hear that. Yeah. Who really, that's, she feels that that's a strength and she would like to do something. Mm. So uh, so we are in the discussion phase of, like, so they, one of these homes that she, this um, auntie, can't remember auntie, her last name, her auntie, auntie who is like, you know, 80 years old and yeah. still really, you know, I, I checked in and her house is still full of, um, mm-hmm. full of young kids all over. Mm-hmm. And so she's still like, you know, getting kids to school, transportation, getting kids school uniform, um, although schooling is free, um, et cetera. Um, there are the girl who like, you know, who is not able to do what she wanted to do. She wanted to become a nurse. So I'm thinking, could we kind of come up with like a advisory board or a or, or a group that could kind of like, okay, we're gonna get funds for to 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 send you know four kids with school uniform or um, funds to um, how to help her get to you know move in towards getting to nursing or stuff like that. But um, also one of the things the homes really um, do well with, and some is volunteers and volunteers who keep involved with the, with the children after they leave mm. that really is quite helpful so so that it's not that you just do the christmas thing but you also kind of like okay this one person wants to be a police officer how to make sure that we get the phones in on time how to make sure you know mm-hmm. how to tell mm-hmm. so that sort of like that that's one of the things that that um stood out in in how volunteers made the life of some children really mm-hmm. uh, much positive and you kind of have to fight against like make sure and make sure that you 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 know be involved and mm-hmm. the person that is a piece, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even like the bank, like the, sorry, I know we need to wrap up. No, it's okay. Even like the, the, the bank, one of the, one of the boys who successfully moved out um, into that um, smaller home, uh, the bank actually, what did they do? They helped him get a job in the bank. Mm. So, so that sort of, that sort of bank staff were like kind of like volunteers for Christmas, doing painting and whatever. And then they kind of wanted, is there anything more? And okay, well, this one love accounting, and he's finishing up his high school in accounting. So they kind of um, assisted him in getting into the bank. So that's the kind of things that I think the, you know, will even strengthen um, some of the, the um, transition. For, for the children at the home because they still have a stigma when they leave the home. Right, right. Yes, that yeah. that mm-hmm. the community volunteers, it's something that, mm-hmm. that comes up again and again when I talk to people from different parts of the world. I, you know, I remember my mm-hmm. conversation recently mm-hmm. with Karen Modi from, mm-hmm. um, from India yeah. and mm-hmm. she talked about sort of the crucial um, aspects mm-hmm. of, of volunteers to, to very much do that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, know, yeah. And but capital, also right? be yeah. Exactly, and and definitely to be cautious of um of 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 abuse, like you know um, these children, these um, former residents are also very um very vulnerable to people. It does abuse them yes. um, when they go out. 
Absolutely. So, so systems Absolutely. need to have be in place for that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Systems monitoring, you know, screening mm-hmm. of volunteers, follow up. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Petra, I want to thank you so so much for mm-hmm. taking the time to mm-hmm. to have this conversation with me yeah. today. I really, I yeah. uh, it's so eye opening for me mm-hmm. to to read about yeah. places yeah. around the world and have conversations with people who mm-hmm. who have spent time in, in residential care and, and other facets of CYC yeah. or social work around the world. So, thank you for your research yeah. and and thank you for the conversation mm-hmm. today. Oh, good. Thank you very much. This was, this was nice. <laughs> good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you nothing. Well, that was really unpleasant, Wolfgang. I don't ever do that again. <laughs> it was okay. good. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.